Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse, Golf Monthly's weekly look at the various different events around the world in golf. Today we look back on big wins for Sink, Catlin and Co and chat to golf mad US musician Ben Rector. The Clubhouse is brought to you by Titleist, the number one ball in golf, and the most played golf ball at the RBC Heritage, with 73% of the field putting one in play at Harbour Town last week, including winner Stuart Sink. For more information, head to titleist.co.uk. Hello and welcome to the Clubhouse. My name is Tom Clark, and as ever, I'm joined by Elliot Heath. How are you doing, Elliot? Yeah, I'm all right, Tom. Good to chat to you. How was your week off last week? Yeah, I had a nice time very nice time actually lots of bits and pieces got a bit of stuff done at the house i was mainly looking after my son who's on easter holidays uh took him to the golf range for the first time i sent you a video of him hitting uh his first golf ball and he he seemed to quite enjoy it so that was good i hit a few golf balls myself as well so yeah great fun nice what about yourself uh yeah played golf on friday night saturday night and all day sunday so yeah a very golfy weekend yeah, went through some swing changes, trying not to shorten my swing because it's disgustingly ugly at the top. And um, yeah, not going well. I think I lost about five golf balls on the back nine yesterday, which is a bit unlike me. And I, I scored probably on only two holes. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, a bit worrying with a, a big golf monthly day on Thursday. Yeah, we do have a big golf monthly day on Thursday. So that sounds... So you, you just you're just... Really, you're not too worried about your scoring at the moment. You're just enjoying golf. Is that right? Uh, yeah, I guess you could say that. The weather was lovely. I'm a bit sunburnt. Had a few beers, uh, but yeah, didn't didn't score very well at all. You weren't playing in a comp, were you? No, we were playing in a match. Uh, me and my mate against my dad and another friend, and uh, we're five up after nine, and we won three and two, with oh, me wow. getting about four points on the back nine. So um, yeah, my mate's shoulders were. <laughs> probably a little bit tired from carrying me <laughs> well that sounds good well yeah well we do, yeah as you say we do we are playing uh golf on thursday at essendon golf club which i'm really looking forward to to seeing should be really good fun there um and we're doing a big gear test there aren't we elliot and all of us who will be there have got loads of gear to test golf shoes apparel a few clubs some golf balls it's going to be quite a full-on day i think isn't it yeah, looking forward to it. Looking forward to playing golf with you again. I think uh, seeing the tee times. So last time I played with you, you actually won the money. So maybe I'm your good luck charm. But maybe, um, maybe. yeah, maybe. got some good stuff to test. Got some great content for the website to to produce over the next, uh, well, just summertime really. So um, yeah, lots of busy stuff going on. Yeah, we've got a really busy few months ahead of us. So, uh, but all really good fun. And um, yeah, let's hope the sun continues to shine. It's quite sunny today. So um, let's hope that that weather lasts until Thursday at the very least. So we had a very good week as well as, as a website, really, didn't we? Because of who won the PGA Tour title 
at the weekend, the RBC Heritage. Uh, it was won by Stuart Sink, who won his eighth PGA Tour title by four strokes at Harbour Town Golf Links. The 47-year-old won the tournament for the third time after wins there in 2000 and 2004. Incredibly, it's just his second win since his 2009 Open Championship triumph. But it's also his second win of the 2021 season. He opened with back-to-back 63s and then eased home to the delight of his son on the bag and his other son and wife who were cheering him on. And there's lots of things that we can talk about, Stuart Sink, about. But the first thing we need to do is talk about the golf company's new tipster, who we mentioned last week, Jeremy Chapman, absolute tipping legend. Been doing it for this for about 50 years. He's had over 800 winners really really happy to have him on board and what a first week for him because he tipped Stuart Sink at something like 225 to 1 didn't he and I didn't get him at 225 to 1 I just got him at the very small price of 125 to 1 with my bookmaker and um yeah and got the money so I was I was over the moon uh I know you didn't Elliot but what a start for Jeremy Chapman as our new tipster (laughs) yeah amazing I'm absolutely gutted I didn't just stick a don't know little 200 pound each way bet on Stuart Singh <laughs> but it's it's all hindsight isn't it but yeah it's great to have him on board clearly a a, a very renowned figure in in the tipping industry and um yeah he's had some massive wins he, he was saying earlier today actually because I was chatting to him that his biggest win was Ernie Els at the 2012 Open where he took home I think about three and a half grand he won about two thousand pounds for this one so um yeah he's uh clearly got his eye on the ball when it comes to the PGA Tour yeah, and he, he, as I say, he's been around for ages. He knows the things to look out for. He really does his research. You'll see the the obviously the betting guide for last week is still up on the site. So if you do want to check it out, obviously just Google it and you'll be able to find it. RBC Heritage Golf Betting Tips Golf Monthly will will do the job for you there, and you'll see that he you know he really looks into the field and who's in form, who's got course form, but also who he thinks is is uh, also maybe slightly overpriced and he, he definitely thought that Sink was overpriced because Sink had had a, a reasonably good time of it the last couple of weeks and obviously had one there before. So brilliant win for him, really happy for, for him and everybody else who was able to, to get on him and, um, and enjoy the success. It was fantastic, wasn't it? And of course, you can check out Jeremy's uh, betting tips for this week. They'll be going live on the site probably tomorrow morning, uh, which is Tuesday morning, and he'll be doing tips for us on the European and PJ Tour, and he'll be also be doing the odd one for the LPGA and things like that as well in the future. So uh, do come back to the Golf Monthly site every Tuesday to check out Jeremy Chapman's fantastic betting tips. I'm not sure whether he's ever going to be able to match Stuart Sink winning at 225 to 1, but I'm sure um, he'll have some more success over the coming months. And Stuart Sink, you know, what a what a renaissance for the, for the 47-year-old. Uh, I was lucky enough to be at the 2009 Open Championship, which I can't believe is quite so long ago as it is, 12 years ago. Um, so he was 35 there. That makes me feel so old. Because um, I'm now 39. And I, I always remember when Sink won that, that um, it was obviously Stuart Sink versus Tom Watson. And Tom Watson had been so good all week. And then it got down to the playoff because Watson didn't make that putt on 18. And then suddenly you saw it was head head to head, Stuart Sink, 35-year-old, against Tom Watson, who was, I can't remember exactly how old he was, 60. Uh, 59. 59, sorry. Um, and it just didn't look fair all of a sudden in the playoff. He just looked like an athlete 
versus someone who was who was you know a former athlete. And Sink played very well. He played very very well on that day. No one had been talking about him the day before it. No one had mentioned him. Um, he just came through the field, held it together in those tough conditions at Turnbury, where the scoring was tough, and um, and then obviously beat Watson in the playoff. But he's had all kinds of issues, and his family's had had issues, haven't they, over the last few years? And he hasn't had the success that we probably thought he was going to have. Um, very good player in his right before um, winning the Open Championship, but he's suddenly having a fantastic 2021 season, and. You know, he the door is suddenly open for him again. He's he's back in the world's top fifty, I believe, and he's even got maybe got a chance for the Ryder Cup, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, possibly. They were saying that on the TV coverage last night. Um, but yeah, he's definitely had a, a renaissance, and you can see what a class golfer there is underneath all the uh, the distractions from his personal life and and what whatever else he's uh, had going on. But yeah, he. Um, just eased home. It, it was it was really nice to see actually. And um, Jeremy Chapman actually, the tips that he was just talking about then was saying how he backed him at the Safeway Open as well, where he won last year. He um, had his son on the bag, and he, he was saying how he's just a completely new man with his son on the bag, and they look to be a really great team. And yeah, it was just great to see his family there as well. It just looked like a lovely moment. It's a bit emotional, wasn't it? And um, Really nice for Sink for us sort of core golf fans to to see him in a very positive light because yeah perhaps if he hadn't had this, this renaissance we'll always remember him as the guy who ruined our day in two thousand and nine when we wanted Tom Watson to win but actually he's a lovely guy and uh, a lovely family man and and it's really nice to to see him triumph. Yeah, he his wife um, was suffering with 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 medical issues a few years ago so it's great for her to be there as well and um i think yeah it was a really really nice moment um you know we mentioned about him potentially getting on the Ryder cup team i think it's going to be very hard for him to actually get a pick he's going to have to just continue to keep winning um which is really tri- tricky you know to winning winning twice in a in a season is is tough but to, to do it again would be really really tough and because the usa system is obviously only the top six get automatic picks and then it's six wild cards and if you look at where sink is even with those two wins he's actually way down he's 24th in the uh on the list at the moment so a uh, bit of work to do if he's going to make that Ryder cup team but you know he's he's playing fantastic well and he could continue to play well i think as well so um i do actually remember him also playing at the Celtic manor in the 2010 Ryder cup where it was a. It was very odd. It was a very odd match because of the, all the rain and it was delayed and things like that. So, um, I'd, if I remember rightly, none of the Americans really shone in the second half. Anyway, of that of that event, they were play, they were a very strong start and then they rather faded away um, at the end. But it would be interesting. And the best thing about Stuart Sink is he's still his suntan. Whenever he takes <laughs> his cap off, he's got the whitest uh, top of his head in golf uh, but he has a very good tan below his cap line so whenever he removes his cap it usually does look reasonably comical but uh, fantastic uh, performance by Sink. I was cheering him on all the way um, also Chapman did also also tip Morikawa and my my bookmaker was paying out top eight and Morikawa finished seventh so I got a bit of each way money on Morikawa as well so oh nice really fantastic um, <laughs> fantastic weekend and uh, yeah it was brilliant um, 
Other event that happened at the weekend was the Austrian Open, and John Catlin won his third European Tour title in Austria after defeating Max Kiefer in a playoff. Uh, the American has won three times on the European Tour in his last 13 starts after winning the Andalusia Valderrama Masters and Irish Open in 2020. The 30-year-old has now won 10 times as a professional. And um, you're a big fan of his, aren't you? Yeah, friend of Golf Monthly. You guys who listened last year to our podcast with him will remember hearing a bit about his story and, and how he went over to Asia and uh, had some phenomenal success out there. One uh, four times on the Asian tour, and I think he won three other times on some other developmental tours. I think he was the player of the year for the Asian tour as well. Um, so, yeah, just just a, a brilliant journey, moving from California over to Thailand, where I think he bought a house. And, yeah, just a, a really dedicated, lovely guy. Sent us a really nice message on Instagram after that as well. So we were quick to congratulate him after his victory. And, yeah, three wins in 13 starts on the European tour now is... Is something to really take a look at. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's certainly his form is something to you know make you sit up and uh, take notice of, isn't it? And um, and we're going to listen to a few snippets from the interview that you did with him last year, where they, he discusses his drive to win, beating Martin Kind to win his maiden European Tour title at Valderrama, and emulating Brooks Kepka's journey from the European Tour to major championship victory. So here's a bit of audio with European Tour winner John Catlin. I love to win. I love to, you know, I love to compete. It started when I was a kid and uh, it's just kind of fostered over my, over my lifetime. You know, I just, I love to win. And uh, if I'm not winning it, you know, it drives me nuts. So I think that's what gets me up in the morning, you know, gets, gets me on the golf course, gets me practicing, you know, gets me talking to my coach about things that I'm doing, you know, all these things add up over time. And uh, if I come up one or two shots short and I knew there was something I could have done differently, it's going to, it's going to eat at me. So you know, I, I, I want to make sure I'm doing everything I can to give myself the best opportunity to win. And then, you know, then it's just whether it happens or not, maybe you give it everything you got, but some guy just beats you and you shake his hand and you say, you know, great job. But I mean, knowing that I have done everything that I can, I think it gives me a lot of confidence in those situations and, I've been able to win more times than not. I mean, I was definitely nervous. Anytime you have a chance to win a golf tournament, it doesn't matter who you're playing against. You're going to have those nerves. And, uh, you know, Martin's a great golfer. There's no doubt about it. You look at his, you look at his record. He's got 11, you know, uh, you know, 11 wins on the European Tour, two major championships, former world number one. The guy's a great golfer. But I'm also a very good golfer, and I'm very, very confident in what I can do. And, you know, my record's shown that, you know, I can, I can win when I have, when I have the opportunity. And uh, so was I nervous? Yes. But I was confident that I had a chance to win the golf tournament. And I just played from that mentality all day. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, I think he's kind of paved the path that I'd like to follow. Top 50 in the world is my, is my next goal. That's something that he was able to accomplish and it, you know, gave him the opportunities that he needed and he, he took full advantage of it, and you know now he's a four-time major winner. I'm not saying I'm going to be a four-time major winner. I'm just saying that that's the path that I'm trying to, I'm trying to follow. And uh, you know, seeing someone do that gives you the motivation, and it's kind of like you know, why can't I do that too? So it gives you that mentality and gives you a lot of gives you a lot of uh, drive to try and do the same thing. 
So there you go, John Catlin, European Tour winner at the weekend. And really, I like the thoughts about him trying to emulate Brooks Kepka's journey in particular, because we saw Kepka have so much success playing in some places which weren't America and then going to America and having having great success. Do you think Catlin's got that in him as well? Uh, yeah, he doesn't have the sort of bomber game, but he's a phenomenal competitor. Like, all of his wins seem to be by playoff, one shot or two shots. So, um, yeah, whenever he's kind of like in contention, I don't know, like maybe 50% of the time he seems to get it done. So, uh, just a, a brilliant winner. I love the quote there. He was like, basically, he, he only wants to win, which was, um, yeah, just just shows how much of a competitor he is. And it's going to be really tough for him to go on and win majors and become world number one, like he said there. But um, you could definitely see him going over to the PGA Tour, winning out there, maybe getting in the world's top 10, making Ryder Cup teams, that sort of thing. Because, yeah, he's uh, just a fantastic competitor, a really good putter, great all-round game. And, um, yeah, a nice guy too, as we've already said. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think we'll definitely be keeping a close eye on his performances over the coming months as well. There was also more action at weekend. Uh, Liddy Coe finished seven clear at 28 under par to win her 16th LBGA Tour title at the Lottie Championship. It is the former world number one's first title in three years. Incredibly, she's still just 23. And it was great to have her back in the winner's circle, wasn't it? Yeah, she's been trending for quite a long time now. Second at the ANA in her previous start where she shot that incredible 62, which I think was the lowest ever final round in a LPGA major. Just looking at her results now, she's had uh, numerous top fives, top tens, so been trending really nicely. And it's really great to see her back because she's uh, had a bit of controversy, got rid of a few caddies, changed coach a few times. I I remember David Ledbetter said something about her parents being too controlling or something, but uh, clearly she's stuck to her guns made the changes that she wanted to make. And, yeah, 16 professional titles by the age of 23. It's just, it's got to be one of the best stories in golf, hasn't it? Just yeah, absolute it's, superstar. It's, it's, it's absolutely outrageous numbers, those, aren't, aren't they? I mean, that is, that is amazing, isn't it? I can't believe she's only 23. That's, she's been around forever, it feels. I know, so yeah. Well. I think she won on the LPGA when she was 15. Yeah, that's... That's yeah, an incredible talent, really is. And as you say, you know, all, all professional girls. She's obviously had to grow up, also, you know, under the spotlight, all kinds of pressures. So, um, as you say, it, it's really tricky when you you hear about these stories. You know, are they being pressured too hard? They're having to deal with everything, you know, firsthand. They, you know, they haven't got any experience, and it's 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 tough, you know, growing up on in under the spotlight of a sport superstardom. So. Um, Really good to have her back playing well because I think the sport's better when people like this are, are playing at their best. And uh, women's game is looking really solid and really strong at the moment. Been, been really good, a couple of winners in recent times. So uh, long may that continue. Before we finish up on the tour action this week, we need to talk about another great week for our sponsor, Titleist. Not only did Stuart Sink place his trust in the Pro V1X golf ball to take his eighth PGA Tour title this week at Harbtown, but he's one of five players competing around the world to win using a Titleist golf ball. Titleist was also the most played driver at the RBC Heritage and continues to be the most played driver on the PGA Tour this season. The number one brand in golf was also 
trusted by more players in the golf ball, utility iron, hybrid, iron, wedge, and putter categories than any other brand. To find out more about Titleist's fantastic product lineup in 2021, head to titleist.co.uk. So now for something slightly different. We chatted to US musician Ben Rector on his love for golf, playing at Augusta National, and much more. Elliot, you spoke to him. Give uh, give the guys a bit of a uh, update on who Ben Rector is, if they don't know who he is already. Yeah, well, um, I describe Ben as a big star in the US, which he uh, was very modest about. He's had over a billion streams, been very near the top of the charts on a number of his albums, makes some really great music, some some real like feel good, folky, poppy tunes. And he's a lovely guy as well, absolutely golf mad, takes the clubs with him, played Augusta National, played some of the world's, well, some of America's best courses and um, really enjoyed chatting with him. And um, yeah, I think you guys will enjoy this and I think you'll enjoy his music as well. Delighted to be joined by Ben Rector, US musician. Ben, how are you today? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing well. It's good to be here. Yeah, so um, for those who don't know you, you're obviously a, a big star in the US, but in the UK, people may not be as familiar with you. Um, yeah, describe yourself, your your career, and um, and so on. Uh, sure. Well, you're uh, you're kind to describe me as a big star. Uh, I'm, maybe some people think that. <laughs> there's there's definitely people in the U.S. who don't know who I am. Also, so. Um, but I I kind of like got started doing music professionally while I was in college. I think you call it university, maybe. And uh, but I've been doing it professionally since then, and it's grown kind of more than I thought it would. And I am super pleased to get to do it for a job. Uh, I also like golf. And that's really about it. I mean, that's kind of, I feel like I'm a, I'm a relatively normal person doing a pretty abnormal job. Yeah, over a billion streams, that's, that's a big star, isn't it? It's, I mean, you know, I, I'm going to be probably be the last person to, uh, to agree with you there because I don't want to sound pompous. I've, I, it's been great. I'm super happy to get to do it. That's what I do. Yeah, um, so we've never had a musician on the podcast, I don't think. So uh, <laughs> what's it been like this past year with the pandemic? Because uh, I would imagine that your industry has probably been hit a little bit worse than other ones. Yeah, I mean, it's, so it's definitely affected music a ton. Um, I mean, I've, I think I've tried to look for the silver lining in it because I don't want to be like, it's been great, you know, because it's been a terrible thing for, you know, generally everybody. But uh, for the first time really since college, I've been able to actually slow down and kind of take a forced break. And it's honestly, I know this sounds so trite, and if we knew each other better, you would know I'm not making this up. But uh, I feel like I've been able to, for the first time, to really kind of like discover the joy of music again. Because I feel like when you do something all the time and when there's a little bit of pressure around it, it's easy to look up and be like, oh, this is not that enjoyable anymore. And I feel like being forced to kind of take a break from it, I am now like reinvigorated and it feels kind of like a hobby again, which is so cool. I feel like I, if you had told me that three years ago, it's like music's going to feel like a hobby again. I'd be like, no way. And so on that level, it's been good. I mean, I've, I played one show outside in a tent very far apart and that's it. And that's like more shows than any of my friends have played. So it's definitely been uh, a unique experience, but you know, try to find the positives in it. And I've, I've been making a new record, which I'm generally pretty excited about. So that's about it. Oh, nice. Yeah, I um, I went to a gig just before 
lockdown started here in the UK and I'm just yeah desperate to get back like all our pubs are closed all our venues are closed it must be really difficult yeah it's 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 definitely a strange time and I think for people that are I think it's hit like touring personnel like crew members and band members the hardest because especially for crew members like nobody really needs lights set up right now and not a lot of people are running sound um, for those people, I think it's been super brutal. So I, my, my hope is that they're, uh, everybody's okay and we'll be able to pick it back up again here soon. Yeah. So, uh, the, the last year, I guess, without all the, the gigs and the shows and stuff, you've been able to get the clubs out quite a bit. <laughs> well, I have, I should, I should also tell you, my wife and I had twins this summer. So uh, that's congratulations. Just, th- congratulations. <laughs> I would also accept thoughts and prayers. That's fine too. No, but I mean, that that's, I feel like we joked about, uh, Hillary and I joked about that, you know, in early fall, we were like, our life right now would look pretty much the same pandemic or no pandemic, because we're just like surviving, trying to keep our heads, uh, heads afloat, not going or trying to keep our heads above water and not going out very much. Um, but I did. So before the pandemic started, uh, or sorry, before we had the twins and after the pandemic started, I was playing a bunch um, and then when the twins came, you know, slowed down a little bit, but was able to start getting out. Uh, the course that I play at remained open with kind of some different rules. Like we couldn't use carts for a while, which honestly I loved. I thought that was great. Um, but yeah, I got to play a good amount uh, last year. And then this year I've played just almost none, which is really sad. <laughs> I've seen your swing. You look like you hit the ball quite far. <laughs> Thank you. I just, I just need to hang out with you all the time. You make me feel great about myself. Uh, I, so, you know, so you're off four? Is that your handicap, right? Yeah. I mean, but really, and and I mean, this is funny because I feel like we're like about to tee off and I'm arguing for more strokes. I was playing like a four maybe in like November and now anybody's guess. I played, I went out to California uh, last week to do like uh it was i was on american idol and i was able to play golf out there and i did not play great i had moments of playing great but i think i shot like mid 80s so if we were going to play right now i'd really try to push for me to be playing at like an eight maybe <laughs> but you know we'll see oh uh, nice yeah we don't use carts over here in the uk um have you ever been over to the uk you know i went over there to work with a producer one time and um I feel bad. I don't know how to say his last name. It's either Tarif or Tarife, Martin Tarif or Martin Tarife. Super talented guy. And so I was there for maybe like 10 days. Um, but other than that, no. And I, my friends have been, we've been like, we got to go over there for a golf trip. And with touring and stuff, I just haven't been able to make it happen. But my wife has been, she studied abroad there a few years ago and really loved it. Has been trying to talk me into going back. So Oh, nice. Yeah, the golf is really good, but uh, it's it's equally good in the in the states. So, yeah, what's it like in the, in the national area for golf? Is it like really exclusive, like kind of what the, the image that U.S. golf has, or is it welcoming and public and and like that? So I would say this. Um, it definitely, you know, from the podcasts that I listen to and kind of the I pay attention to the golf world. I feel like everybody from the U.S. that goes over to kind of that part of the world is super impressed with the approachability of golf and the, you know, that there are great courses that are public. Um, I would say in Nashville, there are definitely good public courses, but most of the, most of the ones that you'd be real excited to play would be private. And like the atmosphere at a lot of them 
is welcoming. Like if you came over and I played a place called the golf club of Tennessee, it's a really lovely place. Like if you were in Nashville and you came out there, I think you'd love it and you wouldn't feel like out of place or not welcome or anything, but it is a private course. So, um, good, good public courses, but probably not exactly like the vibe over where you are. Yeah, I can imagine. So yeah, one ultra private club that you have played, I believe is Augusta national. I have indeed. Uh, yeah, uh, talk to me about that. Who, who do you know there that, that got you on? Oh, there, there's a really nice guy who hosted me. And, uh, and so, so the bummer is, and this isn't a, I can't say it's a bummer, but that was just on the front end of me really being into golf. But I was not, I wasn't super, I was probably like a 12 when I played there. And so I was so excited and, you know, we, we play one round, we got in the night before and got to eat dinner there. It was an incredible experience. I've li- lived up to the hype in every way. Um, cause I feel like a lot of things it's like, was it awesome? And you're like, yeah, it's okay. That was just, I mean, totally lived up to the hype, had dinner. We played around as we're eating lunch. Um, our host was like, do you guys want to play again? And we were like, yes, <laughs> we definitely want to play again. <laughs> so we, we played twice. The only bummer was at that point, I feel like I could totally appreciate the uh, the setting and the course, but I probably wasn't thinking my way around the course like I would hope to now. Like I think I would be taking in more of the design aspects and like, oh, like they wanted me to think about this with this approach shot. And I think at that time I was just pumped to be there and, you know, so that's that's the only downside if there is a downside, but even that's not that bad. So, you know. Did you get to see it on just like a normal regular day? Yeah, it was uh it was a little bit cool, but it was I mean and it was so crazy, man. We played I'm forgetting now exactly. I think I think in November and it looked exactly like the tournament <laughs> minus the azaleas. I mean truly nothing out of place. I was I was blown away. I you know, and at this point I've played at a lot of different places and still nothing is quite like that. Yeah, was was it busy there then, or were you like no. one of the only ones there? Oh man, there was nobody there. I, I mean, there there. I, once we were on the course, I don't know that we saw another person. I, you know, wow. I know there were other people there because I saw them at breakfast, but like we didn't run into anybody. Nobody ran into us. It was awesome. Did you have caddies? We did indeed. They wore the white jumpsuits, uh, and on, on the range, um, people were joking that sometimes caddies would like you know watch watch how you're doing and maybe like make a bet amongst themselves i don't think they did that with us because they probably saw me and they're like this is going to be a long day but it was it was really fun man and they were great the caddies were awesome everybody was great oh nice uh yeah so what are the other amazing golf courses you played oh it's your chance to brag I know. And then that's, as you can tell, that's not something that I'm super into, but uh, because this is a golf podcast and we can talk about it, um, man, a, a lot of places, I, I probably uh, other notable places I've been to um, Cypress Point a couple times. And that place is just it's similar to Augusta as far as living up to the hype, stunning, a really wonderful course. I actually enjoyed the inland holes and kind of the dunes holes as much or more than the final six which are towards the ocean um yeah i mean a bunch of places man i feel silly the san francisco golf club is awesome lacc is awesome peach tree is a great place um there's there's a lot of great places and i feel bad just being like here's all the awesome places i've played but uh i've been fortunate 
through traveling, I feel like once people kind of figured out that I enjoyed golf, occasionally somebody would reach out if I was in a, you know, a city and we had a mutual friend and they'd say, Hey, do you want to come play at this place? And of course I am so stoked to play at any great <laughs> golf course. So, uh, occasionally I'll, I'll take people up on that. Um, and I'm not like, I don't, I feel like some people are really into networking and kind of like try to make connections with people. I'm not great at that. Cause I never like to feel like I'm like asking for something, but there have been times in the past, you know, three or four years where someone will extend an offer that seems awesome. And I, I, I end up honestly, one of the best takeaways is just getting to know interesting people. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's so much great golf here and there's so many courses I haven't played, but, um, it's, it's been a fun kind of few years as I've gotten more into it. Yeah. So, uh, do you kind of like tour in a, in a big tour bus and just stick the clubs underneath? That's, I mean, that is exactly what happens. Yeah. Uh, toss the clubs in the bay and, um, and honestly it ends up being really good. Cause I try to keep a, some people I feel like, you know, want to sleep in a little bit and I try to keep the same schedule on the road. And so for me, there's really nothing to do until sound check happens, which is usually like, you know, maybe three or four. And so if I'm getting up at 7.30 or 8, there's a pretty big gap in there. And so uh, on the last tour we did, last full tour we did before the pandemic, um, I brought my clubs and I would, you know, if I wasn't going somewhere specific, I'd do research on where I wanted to play in the area. And I can't do it all the time because, you know, if you play a ton, you end up getting a little worn down it's important to stay healthy on the road but i would i'd head out you know in an uber at like 7 45 and go play somewhere and then come and play the show that night it was a great tour i, I would look forward to that again you know cool you're a proper golf nut then i love that i i, I am I've, I've, I've become more of one yeah oh nice so uh yeah say you um shoot level par in the morning or something or you then <laughs> go, go and give the crowd a better show in the evening <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I'm I'm not good enough to really get too mad about it. If I, if I play poorly, um, I'm trying to think of if there's been a time where I played really bad, if that affected the show. I mean, it doesn't really, I feel like I, you know, it, it's, a, it would be a bummer to be in a, a place that was cool and to play really poorly. But I think I get so uh, uptight about wanting to put on a good show that I feel like the uptightness takes over any amount of frustration about golf i'm once i'm in show mode i'm like i gotta do this i gotta do a good job you know yeah it must keep you in a good headspace though because obviously like, we know how good golf is for your mental and like physical health so um yeah to have it as as kind of like a companion on the road must be uh, really special yeah and and honestly it's it's the perfect i found so when i'm home i, I try to exercise a good amount but on the road I don't sleep great on the bus and the shows are actually pretty, uh, pretty good exercise. And I've found that when I've tried to really exercise a lot on the road, I can just get worn down and, you know, I'll always feel it like halfway through a show, just like, Oh my gosh, I'm so tired. And so golf is actually ends up being a pretty perfect thing, both for mental, like mentally to have something to kind of work on. So you're not just wandering around, uh, and also physically, it's a good amount of exercise if you're walking, but it's not going to like knock me out for the show. So it, it's actually a pretty ideal, uh, pretty ideal thing to to pass a little bit of time on the road because it is. I feel like people assume that you're just kind of like seeing the sights in every city. What ends up happening is you have kind of weird chunks of time. It's not like nothing to do until 8 p.m. Like some days I have to do interviews or like radio stuff, and so. 
it is, it's hard to, to do a lot of productive work with your downtime because you're always like in a strange space or whatever. So golf is, it's a great kind of like little escape. And I feel like I usually come to sound check in a good spot. I mean, the amount of times on the last, uh, tour that I sound checked in golf clothes was high and that was, it was a great <laughs> feeling. I, I felt a little bit out of place, but it felt great. Yeah. Like a nice spikeless pair of shoes then. That's, that's I, I, I sound checked in my, in my spikeless Adidas shoes many times. <laughs> nice. Um, I guess in a way you're, you're a bit like, well, being a musician is quite similar to being a, a professional sportsman in the fact that you're traveling the country, you're sort of an independent contractor and, and an entertainer. Do you mm-hmm. see it that way? Yeah. And, and honestly, what's interesting to me is there are like a ton of parallels between golf and, um, at least what I do in music and not, not even like big picture stuff, like fine tuning stuff, like vocally and even creatively, you'll, you'll get in a really good spot where kind of to compare it to golf, like you feel like you're in control of stuff. You've got a couple like good big picture feelings that you're trying to aim at. Like when you're playing good golf, when I'm playing good golf, I'm usually only thinking of a couple things. And those, those things are kind of triggering a lot of small things that are going correctly. But there's, I mean, man, day to day feelings in your, in your voice as a vocalist change all the time. Like you're always searching for like a different feel or a different approach. Um, so honestly, man, even mechanically, it's a ton like golf. You're trying to, with a song or with a a show or, or whatever, you're trying to kind of like smooth out the rough edges and create something that feels effortless and compact and efficient, just like a golf swing. And so, I mean, the only difference is that I'm not great at golf, so I don't, I don't very (laughs) often fall in, fall into that good zone, but, uh, it, it is funny to me how similar they are. It feels kind of like, you know, different sides of the same coin, just trying to make something like efficient and powerful, you know? Yeah. Fascinating. And what was it like growing up in, in Tulsa? Because um, when I hear the, the word Oklahoma now, all I really think about is Joe Exotic. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it you... Putting us on the map, man. <laughs> yeah, I take it you, you've seen the show? Oh, I, I binge watched it. Whenever it came out, I feel like I heard about it right after that. And my wife and I just blew through it. And so, yeah, I mean, being from Oklahoma, I'll just I'll have to give Oklahoma a shout out. That's a very specific and eccentric slice of Oklahoma. Not everybody is like that. <laughs> Tulsa was a, a lovely place to grow up. It's kind of a, it's a reasonably sized like city, a great place to be from, kind of suburban. Super, I mean, really at this point, I feel like I can say this with some authority after meeting so many people from all the different parts of the States. Um, I think it's probably like home to the kindest people uh, in America, just like humble, hardworking, kind people. I, you know, Joe Exotic, I did watch it and it was so entertaining. I, although it got a little, it got a little too, like too dark for me towards the end. I was like, oh, this is really sad. But uh, I have, I've driven the place that, I don't, what was it called? Joe Exotic, whatever the zoo is called. I've yeah, driven it's down near south, it. wasn't it? Yeah. Well, so it's, it's like, it's south of Oklahoma City. And I drove that road a ton in college, so I, I never visited the park. But um, <laughs> it was it was quite a quite a magnetic uh, show. Uh, also, yeah, I forgot to ask, what's in your golf bag then? Okay, well, so I've got um, while I was on the last tour, one of the funnest stretches of golf I had was um, 
we were headed out west, and so we stopped in El Paso, and I played at a cool. Uh, it was a Fazio course, but it kind of felt like a Pete Dye course, middle, middle of nowhere. And the next stop was Phoenix. And when I was in Phoenix, I had uh, somebody from Ping, or somebody connected me with Ping because I usually play Ping clubs, and I got to go out there and get fitted by their master fitter, who like does the pros. And so basically, nice. like got fitted for new clubs. And then uh, after that, we went out to the West Coast and had a really fun like run of golf. But so basically, Ping kind of hooked me up and um, sent me like pretty much like a new bag. So I've got the I-200s, I think it is. I've got the uh, Dynamic Gold, the heavy stiff shafts. I have, I just actually bought their new driver. Um, I felt kind of bad being like, hey, do you want to send me a new driver? So I just bought it. But uh, the is it the... 425 is that yeah the g425 yeah dude i love it i so I've, I've only hit it outside uh twice at those two rounds of california but it feels just like the one that i had before that but it's just like a little more stable and i like the sound a little better but um after that i have the 410 hybrids um i have a seymour putter but yeah i have pretty much ping all the way through that's uh and not not because just they gave it to me because i mean i was playing pretty much all ping before that so that's what i got nice is that like the uh, zach johnson style seymour putter yeah i think it actually it's it's like the bronze looking one it's like a mal or uh it's like a blade style but it's like got the uh centering and honestly my friend there's a used golf store that my friend goes to that's near his office because he I was always looking to like waste a little bit of time. And he called me one time and was like, Hey man, I found a putter for you. And I wasn't looking for a putter. I was like, Oh really? What is it? And he's like, it's a Seymour. It's 35 bucks. And I was like, sounds great. Buy it. And it, really he was buying it because he thought that maybe I wouldn't like it and he could keep it. But then I liked it. And so I've kept it in the bag for a few years. Oh, nice. <laughs> uh, right. So yeah. Talk to me about being on American Idol. So you got that coming up now or do you say you're filming that at the moment? Yeah, so it was, um, we filmed it, I mean, it will probably already be out by the time the podcast comes out, but we filmed it last week, and it will air this Sunday, I think. So I was sort of like, a, they had people come on, it's called All-Star Duets, so basically I coached two contestants, and then we'll do duets with both of them on the show. Um, so that was, I mean, that was a pretty funny gear shift for me to go from being in my routine of like eating oatmeal every morning and uh, maybe like riding the Peloton and working on songs and stuff to being, you know, full on, on the job again, like wearing makeup and people doing my hair and stuff like that. So I feel like I, I thought I would ease back into performing and instead I was just like right into the deep end immediately, but it was, it was a great experience. They run the show super well and um, I'll be interested to see how uh how we do oh nice and you got your eighth studio album coming out this year yeah and and i mean we're trying to figure out like what the timing is on that because i would love to be able to release it with at least a tour in sight and so we're just trying to figure out how we want to roll it out because i feel like all the all of um sort of my peers who have watched release albums in covid it feels like they just kind of like evaporate right after they come out and i don't know what that's about if that's because people aren't touring or if i don't know what that's about so um for this one i usually am pretty pessimistic and for this one for whatever reason i feel kind of optimistic i'm like hey i think this is good and we just want to make sure that we're going to release it 
with a little bit of room to run and it's not just kind of like poof right after it comes out. So we'll see. Yeah. Do you feel pressure with like the numbers? Cause uh, here it says brand new in 2015 was uh, top 10 on the billboard 200 magic debuted at number one on the billboard Americana folk album chart. So yeah, I mean, I, I would love for it to do well. And some of that too, um, with the advent of streaming, the charts are a little bit, it's just a little harder to quantify because a lot of first week numbers streaming wise is really directly tied to how much the album is playlisted. And you, you just can't really control that. Like, you know, maybe four years ago or however long ago when everybody was buying albums on iTunes, you know, there's a certain amount of people that want to buy the album, they buy the album and that's kind of what it is. And now, you know, even if it's a lot of people listening to it on the first day, a lot of the maybe first week performance is going to come down to how many playlists um, the different streaming services put you on. And like, there's nothing you really do about that. So I would love for the record to just crush the charts. That would be awesome. But it's, it's a little bit, uh, you have a little bit less control over it now than maybe you did uh, a little while ago. But I I think mainly the pressure that I feel is to just, I want to make excellent art and I want to, you know, do do the best I can at that. And that's kind of the main pressure that I feel. Yeah. Well, I've contributed to a few streams anyway. I, um, <laughs> Thank you. I love the song Brand New. To be fair, just all of them, really, because I'm a bit of a metalhead. Uh, so, yeah, my girlfriend doesn't really like <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the depressing music, she would call it. But, yeah, your stuff's really upbeat, really happy, and um, some really catchy riffs and stuff. So, yeah, Thanks, I was man. very glad to discover you. What metal do you like? Um, Shine Down, Alter Bridge, Papa Roach, uh, that kind of stuff. Not too yeah, heavy, you know. There's, that's that's like metal light. That's yeah. light metal. I honestly <laughs> still very musical. I feel like those are that era of music. I feel like is. I kind of feel like it's going to come back around soon because there's like parallels between that and some of the stuff that's really poppy right now. But I think that music is excellent. And you were a Jimmy Eat World fan, according to one of your songs? Oh, yes, dude. I love Jimmy Eat World. I, I grew up listening to, um, yeah, I grew up listening to Jimmy Eat World, along with other stuff, but I love that band. Oh, nice. All right, um, Ben, thanks a lot for chatting to us. Um, and yeah, good luck with your eighth studio album this year. And uh, I hope that you get to come over to the UK, maybe do a UK tour and play some of our best golf courses as well. So, yeah. Um, I, would, I would love that. And thanks for having me on. <laughs> Great chatting. Later. So there you go. There was Ben Rector speaking to our very own Elliot Heath. He sounds like a good guy, doesn't he? He loves his golf. Yeah, big time. Proper golf nut. And yeah, didn't really want to show off too much there, but I think we let him show off a little bit about, uh, especially playing 36 holes at Augusta in one day. That sounds absolutely dreamy and something I'm not jealous of at all. Yeah, as, uh, as someone who's only played 18 holes uh, at Augusta in one day, uh I would like to have had another go at Augusta because I don't think I gave my... I did it justice, <laughs> to say the <laughs> least. You know, I think I just about got my nerves and under control on the 18th hole. So it would have been nice to have had another go at Augusta. But, yeah, I mean, it sounds great. And it's, it's great to have uh, some personalities who are kind of outside the golf game that we can uh, feature on the podcast and find out a little bit more about them. Do check out his music as well. I just checked out one of his songs. I think they're rather nice. So, uh, I mean, that's about as much as a, a musical um, 
analysis I think I'm able to give. So uh, do check it out. But uh, yeah, really good interview that. So this week we had the Zurich Classic of New Orleans at TPC Louisiana, if I can say it. The doubles event returns for the first time since 2019 after it was cancelled last year. John Rahm and Ryan Palmer won the title last time out. There are some notable teams this year as well. Rahm and Palmer once again. Rose and Stenson, yes, that dream duo. Showflay and Cantlay, Morikawa and Wolf, Willett and Hatton, Finau and Champ, Leishman and Smith. And I think this is one of the most interesting things about this event is who actually gets paired with each other. Uh, sometimes they get paired up because they might not have anyone else to play with. But also, as you can see from that list or hear from that list, uh, there's also some groups who obviously are guys that get on really well and want to play some more golf with each other. Uh, it's going to be great to see Rose and Stenson playing, isn't it? Yeah, um, they're quite a way down the betting odds. I think Stenson's dragging the team down a little bit with his form, albeit he, he did make the cut at Augusta after quite a torrid run to start the year. Um, Rose also, I think, won the Zurich Classic when it was a singles event. Uh, I can't say that for sure, but I, I feel like it rings a bell. Um, or maybe it's just because he was sponsored by Zurich, I'm not sure. <laughs> But uh, yeah, yeah, good team. Shofley and Cantley look the strongest team. Ram and Palmer got along really well in 2019. They looked like they were absolute best buddies that week. So um, yeah, they, they could be a team to look out for again because Ryan Palmer's on a fantastic run of form. He's right up there in the cuts made streak on the PGA Tour. I don't think he's missed a cut in quite a while. So um, yeah, could go back to back this week. You never know. I also like the look of Leishman and Cameron Smith. Uh, two Aussies, both in good form as well. So, yeah, should be a good week. It's nice to see a, a bit of a different format as well. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's so many ifs and buts about this to- uh, this tournament. It's going to be really tricky. I'm really interested to see who our golf tips to Jeremy Chapman goes for. Uh, who who do you fancy? I'm, I'm looking through. There's a couple of names which which grab my eye. Is there anybody else that you want to mention from above that of the ones that you already have? Uh, I noticed that Hovland was with uh, Christopher Ventura, his fellow Norwegian. So I'd like to see those guys go well. But yeah, I kind of feel like this this event always throws up a, a few randomers, don't they? Who I don't know, perhaps they've come off a, a run of missed cuts and they just like the new format and bounce off each other. So uh, yeah, I would I would imagine it's a very difficult one to pick the winner. Yeah, there's a couple of uh, teams which I maybe should. I'm just going to point out Grace and Varner the third. Two players in decent form. They're playing together, 28 to 1. Not sure I would have picked them as being a pair, but that's good to see. Uh, Sun Jaim and Benan, 45 to 1. That seems like a they could be a strong pairing, couldn't they? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the, it's such a hard one to pick. It is. There is there's a million teams here that which you could go for, really. Uh, McDowell and Wallace, there's one that as well. That they could I think your decent partnership, 60 to 1 as well. So, as you say, have a look for yourself. But if you don't want to do that work, Jeremy Chapman's betting tips will be out Tuesday morning. Check them out. Uh, I'm sure he'll be scouring the field looking for the best value and who he thinks will be the best teams who work together. So, of course, do check out Golf Monthly website, golfmonthly.com, uh, our social media, at Golf Monthly on Twitter and Instagram, and Golf Monthly magazine on Facebook. Or, of course, just Google it. Golf betting tips, Golf Monthly, whatever you do, search it, click on it, and you'll find the best tips on the net at the moment. 
I think we could say that after Stuart Sinks winning a tip last week. So there is another event this week, though, as well on the European Tour. There is the Grand Canary Open at Milanares Golf. And Grand Canary's own Rafa Cabrera-Bello tees up this week on his home island. Antoine Rosner is the bookie's favourite with Matai Schwab, Andy Sullivan, Sam Horsfield and Kurt Kitayama also highly fancied. And it's the first of consecutive weeks in the Canary Islands with the Tenerife Open next week. Good to see that the European Tour are continuing to have some just events on, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. It's really nice to see them go into these new places and actually staying in Europe. Like I'm sure the Tour would love to be in Dubai, Turkey, Saudi or wherever we'll pay them millions and millions of dollars but that's not possible at the moment is it every week so it's really nice to see them putting up their own money and finding new sponsors finding new areas to go to yeah and uh it'd be nice to see the sun this week after a very bleak austrian open where it looked absolutely baltic yeah that that is the tricky thing with playing golf in in april in europe you're never quite sure what the um the temperature is going to be or the weather's going to be, and well, we've seen that happen, of course, um, in England recently. The uh, I haven't mentioned cricket for a few weeks. I'm going to mention cricket now. So last week, I don't know if you saw this, Eddie. I'm sure you wouldn't have because you'd hate cricket. But uh, they were playing their first county match of the season last week at Yorkshire, and they had to um, suspend play because of snow. And the snow was completely covering the outfield which obviously is not very good cricket or golf weather. So um, you're never quite sure. Because if you look at it now, it's glorious sunshine outside and they could definitely be playing. So um, who do you fancy this week for the European Tour event? Yeah, one sec, just on that. On Monday, it was snowing. And on Sunday, I got a sunburn. So (laughs) that's uh, English weather for you. But yeah, this week, I will go for my boy, John Catlin. He's proved that he can just roll off wins and wins and wins. Uh, last year, he won at Valderrama and then went and won the Irish Open like two or three weeks later in his next start. So, yeah, let's go for Catlin again. He's a, a fantastic champion. Yeah, and I, I'm looking at the field. I think it looks pretty strong. I mean, Cabrera Bellows, 28 to 1, which seems awfully long to someone of his skills and him obviously coming from there. Um, Kirk Kittyarm as well, 25 to 1 as well. I think that looks quite long. Justin Harding, 33 to 1. I thought he'd be shorter in this field as well. So um, there's some good players in attendance and also looks like some quite good value as well. So someone who just has snuck out of me as I was just about to click away from my odds checker page is also Pablo Lorazabal. Remember him? 125 to 1. He could have a good week, maybe. Yeah, listening to this, guys, I would recommend... <laughs> Going on YouTube, just typing in Pablo Larras about bees. Do you remember when he had to like jump in the pond or something because he was getting attacked by bees? I do. That was, <laughs> I don't know why that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Well, like, well, because it's quite a big thing, wasn't it? For him, well, he nearly, well, he thought he was about to die, but he didn't. Um, but um, don't listen. You don't have to listen to our mumblings and our 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 fingers in the air. You know, you know, with eyes shut and going to trying to work out who's gonna who's gonna win the event let's actually uh you know go to our betting tips again i know i've been going on about it this week but why not check out jeremy chapman's uh betting tips for this event as well when they're published on tuesday morning do check them out either on the golf monthly website golfmonthly.com of course google it elliot good week ahead then we've got obviously the golf that we've already mentioned on thursday happening are you playing again the weekend uh i don't know i well, i'm playing on friday actually i got the day off it's my mate's birthday and then 
I've got a brag here, I'm afraid. I've got 36 holes at Sunningdale on Tuesday, so um, the day after next week's podcast, which, yeah, to be honest with you, is like top of my bucket list. I've lived sort of within 10 or 15 minutes of Sunningdale my whole life, never been to play it. I've been there a few times for tournaments or um, other bits and bobs, but yeah, um, I'm going to be very, very giddy that morning. Indeed. Hopefully you'll do better than my opening tee shot at Sunningdale where I nearly hit the starter's hut. But uh, that's another story for another time. So thanks for listening, everybody. We'll find out next week if uh, Elliot inspired me to play amazing golf at Eston this Thursday or whether I go back to my normal form. And we'll see if Elliot can um, put sentences together ahead of his trip to Sunningdale. So until next week, Elliot, thanks for your time. Cheers. No worries. And thanks everyone for listening. 